the opening verses of Baloscha, God speaks to Moses to speak to Aaron and tell him that he has a mitzvah. He has an obligation every day to light the menorah in the holy temple. And verse number 3 goes on to say, Vayas came Aaron, and he did it for 40 years. For 40 years, he lit the menorah every day in the temple. Says Rashi, what does it mean, Vayas came Aaron, he did it? To tell us the greatness of Aaron, that he did not change. One iota from the commandment of God. What does that mean? Why is that such a great compliment? If God would tell you what to do, you would also listen to God and not change. One iota. We'll get back to this soon. Then it goes on to say in verse number four, Vizeh Masei HaMenorah, this is how you shall construct the menorah. Hammer it out from one piece of gold and make from it the base, its flowers, and again, hammer it out. According to the vision that Hashem showed Moses, so did he make the menorah. Comes along Rashi, the classic commentator of the logician of the Torah, and says, What does it mean, so did he do the menorah? Says Rashi, if you look over here on the screen, Rashi says, who made it? Rashi says, what does it mean that Cain, Asa, Esamanera, like this, did they make the menorah? Me, Sha'asa. Which means, the one who made it. Now, in this English translation, it says it was B'tzalel. But for some reason, Rashi does not tell us who was the one that made it. Rashi simply says, whoever it was who made it, which is a very unusual terminology. He's not telling us who it is. And the English commentary says, namely B'tzalel. But Rashi does not tell us who it is. Then the Rashi goes on to say, the Agoda and the Medrash, it says the following, that it was made by itself through the Holy One. Blessed be He. What does that mean? What happened? Moshe Rabbeinu had a difficulty understanding how to make the menorah. God says, make this menorah of seven branches from one piece of gold, one chunk of gold. You should hammer it out. Moshe could not comprehend it. So God points with his finger and says, like this, you shall do it. And he showed him a menorah of fire. Still in all, when it came to the actual construction of the menorah, they were unable to fulfill God's requests. So God said, throw it into the fire. I will make it for you. And that's what happened. Moses and Bezalel took the big chunk of gold, threw it into the fire, and out came out the menorah. Now, Rashi gives us two approaches. Number one is, this is the way you shall make the menorah. 
telling us that whoever made it, we don't know who it is. And then he brings the Medrash that it was made by God. Is this a machlokis? Are these two opinions? Or is this one opinion? Now, according to the Aim, Bermaim Chaim, and others, they want to say that the first commentary of Rashi to the second commentary of Rashi is actually two different opinions. According to the first commentary of Rashi, who made it? Probably B'Tzalil. He was the official architect and contractor of the Mishkan. So it was probably him. According to the second interpretation of Rashi, this was done by God. Moshe Rabbeinu had a challenge, a difficulty, how to construct it. God said, throw it into the fire. Yet Rashi does not tell us if this is two separate opinions or one opinion. Furthermore, we know Rashi takes the simple approach to the Torah. If so, why must he bring in the Medrash, which is again the homiletic approach to the Torah, which is not logical or, or simple, but rather more mystical or more mysterious. This is not Rashi's forte. Why must he bring in the Medrash here? Now, Moshe Rabbeinu was the general manager in the Beis HaMikdash. He hired Betzalel, he hired Aliyah, he hired the other specialists to help construct the, the temple. But Moshe Rabbeinu oversaw everything and was involved with every detail. Yet Rashi does not tell us who made it. He said, this is the workings of the menorah. Whoever made it, made it. <laughs> What's going on over here? Furthermore, in this Pasha, we are told primarily that Aaron was commanded to light the menorah. We are not told how to construct the menorah. If you recall, in the book of Exodus, in the portion of Teruma, already then in great length, great detail, God tells Moses every one of the vessels in the Holy Temple. How to construct each one. What materials are to be used for each of those vessels. So all the commentaries ask a question. If already this was given over in the book of Exodus, why now must it be repeated in the portion of Bahaloscha? And there are those who say it's to tell us the chidush, the novelty, the detail that it has to be hammered out from one piece of gold. And that's why it's repeated here. But really it doesn't belong here. So why are we repeating here this concept of you shall make the menorah with all the flowers, etc., etc., and the stems up until the actual foundation of the menorah. Okay. Let us understand the, the background or the backdrop of this parsha. Where is it coming from? The portion of Balozcha comes right after the previous parsha. The portion of Nusso. What happened at the end of the portion of Nusso? What happened was that the Mishkan is constructed. 
and the princes of each of the tribes, of the 12 tribes of Israel, bring a daily sacrifice for 12 days to initiate the building of the Mishkan. So in other words, it was completed, but now to start the actual daily service, each prince of each tribe brought sacrifices on the altar. This is called the Chanukas Hamizbeach, the inaugurating of the altar. Now, says Rashi in this week's Torah portion, the very first Rashi, that Aaron HaKohen, Aaron the high priest, when he saw that the princes were chosen each day to inaugurate the temple, says Rashi these words. Cholsha Daitoi. Cholsha Daitoi. Which means, he became very sad. Or literally, his knowledge became weak. He became diminished. Why? He became very jealous. He saw that these 12 princes were chosen to inaugurate the altar, and yet he, who was the high priest, was not given the opportunity to do anything to inaugurate the temple. So God tells Aaron, through Moses, tell Aaron that he is now going to inaugurate the altar through the menorah. And his is greater than theirs. Because they did it only once. And he's going to do it every day. Now comes the question to mind. Rashi says the following. Yours is greater than theirs because you will light and prepare the menorah. Now why is it that the lighting of the menorah is greater than the bringing of the sacrifices on the altar? Why? What makes it greater? On the contrary, you would think that to bring a sacrifice on the altar is a greater inauguration. You're taking an animal and they slaughter the animal. You're taking the blood and the parts and you're offering on fire. The lighting of the menorah, a little child can light a menorah. We know little kids, three-year-old girls, are lighting the Shabbos candles every week. So Aaron lit the menorah. Why is that considered to be a greater kavod, a greater honor, than to bring a sacrifice on the altar? And this is the question Rashi has. And this is the question that Rashi is trying to answer in this statement of Rashi. Rashi is trying to tell us, you should know the menorah is greater than the altar, because why? Because God himself made the menorah. All the other vessels in the temple were, ra- were, were made through humankind. However, this is greater than all the other vessels, number one, because of the fact that God himself made the menorah. Number two, the menorah is unique because each day, even though Aaron lit seven candles and they burnt out over the night, there was one candle that remained aflame. 
And that, that was called the Ner Hamaravi, the Western candle. It never went out. And this is a proof that God's Shekhinah, God dwells amongst the Jewish people. This is an edut, it's a testimony to all the nations of the world that God rests among the Jewish people. Why? Because each day when they lit the menorah, this candle did not burn out. When they came back in the morning, it was still aflame. And by the way, in most synagogues, there's a remembrance for this candle that did not burn out on the menorah. Who knows what that is? The eternal light. The eternal light, the Ner Tamid, which is in front of the ark. That is a remembrance of this mitzvah, of this ceremony in the Holy Temple in which the menorah did not burn out. So now we understand why it is that Rashi takes pains to tell us all of these details. What does that mean? We're trying to explain that the menorah is greater than all the other vessels in the temple. And therefore, even though the Pasuk says, This is the construction of the menorah. You shall take one big chunk of gold and you shall make it. Like I showed Moses on the mountain, so shall you make the menorah. Says Rashi, whoever made it, made it. In other words, it doesn't matter who made it, if it was B'Tzalel or Moses. Because that is not the objective of the verse. The crux of the verse is to prove that this vessel is greater than all the other vessels. Why? Because God made this menorah. It was thrown into the fire. In other words, it could be that there was a partnership. B'Tzalel and Moses took it together, and they tried to fashion it. It didn't work. Then they threw it into the fire. So there was some human intervention. So therefore, they do get the credit for it. But yet, ultimately, God is the one who made it. And that is why this vessel is greater than all the other vessels. And that is why this is what brought Aaron to ease by telling him, you should know yours is greater than all the others. This is on a level of pshat, on a simple interpretation, which from here we see and understand why Rashi does not tell us who is the one that actually constructed it, because he does not want to diminish from the general theme of the Pasuk, which is to tell us that really, ultimately, God was the one that made it. And that is why it's so unique and so beautiful and greater than all the other vessels. On a deeper level, on a more Kabbalistic, Hasidic level. In life, there are two approaches of how we serve God. One is called the Asusa de Lusata, and one is called the Asusa de Li'ela. Or in modern Hebrew, Itaruta de Latata and Itaruta de Le'ila which means an awakening from above or an awakening from below. Usually, when we do a good deed, we have an awakening from below. We decided to do this. 
Sometimes we were not planning on doing it, and we get an awakening. We're walking down the street. Hey, you know what? Maybe I will light candles this Friday night. I haven't done it in 30 years, but maybe I should do it. Or Purim is around the corner. I wasn't planning on going to hear the Megillah, but maybe I'll go. This awakening was from above. But ultimately, we have to take the initiative after we have that awakening from below to go and do it. Once we do this action from below, there's another awakening from above, which is the reward that we get for doing that mitzvah. A, it awakens us to do another mitzvah. But primarily, we now receive a blessing, a reward for doing that mitzvah. So, if you give, let's say, $10 for tzedakah, so God will bless you back and he will compensate you, let's say, with $50. So, I did the action, the awakening from below, now I get the awakening from above. But there are some times that the awakening from above is much greater than the awakening from below. In other words, an example, I bought a dollar with a dollar, a lotto ticket. That same day I gave $10 for charity. That night I win $100 million from the lotto. Now, I gave only $10 for tzedakah that day, and I only bought one lottery ticket. So why did I win $100 million? This is called a, an atruta de le'ilah, an awakening from above, which is totally beyond my actions below. It's not comparable. This is a gift from Hashem. We did something, yeah, okay, hey, I bought a ticket, and A or B, I gave a little tzedakah, but the blessing is totally beyond my actions. You know, certain people, oh, they're good people, they deserved it. Okay, they deserved a million dollars. But a hundred million dollars, this is a gift from God. And this is what the Torah is telling us here. Rashi connects these two ideas. He gives us two interpretations. Who made the menorah? On one hand, whoever made it, made it. Who was that? Whoever made it was God. But yet we don't say it was God. Why? Because the level in which God made it was an awakening from above that was beyond any names of God. It was beyond all of the actions down here below. Because throwing a piece of gold into a fire doesn't warrant this gorgeous menorah coming out. You can't say it's tit for tat, it's action for action. The reward is so much greater than the actual avodah experience or, or participation that is clearly from God. But even on the level of godliness, it wasn't a level which was associated with creation and world, but it's a level of godliness that whoever it was, it was. Implying a level of godliness beyond all names. As we know, we discussed it in the past, that, that Amman tells us there are seven names. According to Kabbalah, there are ten names. Furthermore, there are 72 names of God, etc., etc. But these are all manifestations of God on some spiritual level that we can grasp and we can associate with. But this level of godliness that is beyond everything, has no name. This is like in the Ten Commandments, 
Anoichi, I am God your Lord. But who is God your Lord? Anoichi. I, beyond all names and beyond all description. This is the level of God that created the menorah, which adds to the brilliance and adds to the effect that Aaron Akohen is lighting the menorah, which is made by God himself, but a level beyond God. The essence. It's the essence of God. And that is why Aaron should be happy and, and, and feel blessed with this opportunity and with this tremendous honor. But there's one step further. The Maral of Prague says that even when God gives you a gift that comes from a place which is beyond God's name, God demands from humankind that we must do something. Buy that ticket for the dollar. Do that one mitzvah, even though it's a small mitzvah. Take that one step. And then God will pay us back and bless us with this this amazing gift which is beyond our comprehension. And this also explains the famous dilemma in the Talmud and amongst the, the, the commentaries and the codifiers. Who will build the third holy temple? On one hand it says God will build it. On the other hand it says Mashiach will build it. So is it humankind or is it God? Is it really a machlokis? Is it really an argument or a difference of opinions? No. Both. Mashiach will do something and God will do the rest. But is it comparable? No, it's not comparable. Compared to what Mashiach will do and how God will do the rest is totally two different galaxies. And the same is true in our daily life. God demands of humankind to do all we can do. In other words, we can say, I know Mashiach is going to come. I know the world is going to be a fantastic world. And this is part of destiny. It has to happen. Just like the sun rises every morning and sets every evening, so too Mashiach has to come. This is part of creation. So I can sit back, twiddle my thumbs, have Bahama Mamas, and smoke cigars. There's nothing for me to do. It's going to happen on its own. Comes along the Torah says, No, Vizem Masa Manoiro. But Salil and Moshe, they participated. Yes, their actions compared to the ultimate blessing of the menorah. And God's revelation in creating the menorah was totally incomparable, but yet they did what they could do humanly. And that is required of us. I will participate what I can do humanly. But I know God will give us this ataruta de la'ela, this awakening from above that will bring tremendous blessing and reward to every human being. And we said this many times. A Jew and non-Jew have to know we are created in the image of God. And therefore God loves every single one of us. And God wants us to be successful. And God wants us to be happy. And you can have a simple example from a, a father and mother. Each normal healthy father and every healthy mother wants the best for their children. They'll take the shirt off their back for their children. Now God is infinite and God has infinite resources. Don't you think he wants to give us all of these things? 
but he wants us to participate one little finger, one little act of goodness and kindness, and to create that vessel for all of his blessings and his love. So in conclusion, we look around, we think other people have better than us. The grass is always greener on the other side. Says the Torah, look at your own lot. God is telling you, you have the best. I am giving you my menorah. All you have to do is light it. And then you will see the gifts, the reward, the blessings, and God's benevolence. We hope and pray that we are talking about the menorah very soon to see the rebuilding of the Third Holy Temple. And once again, Aaron Akoin will light the menorah when all the Jewish people and all the nations of the world will come to the Third Holy Temple. Amen. Amen.